do you think mentors are important? Yes. Yeah? Have they been important in your life, do you think? Yes. When you look at your life? Why are mentors important? Oh, yeah, experience, right? They've kind of been there, done that. They've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of life, of whatever it is that you're doing. Isn't that nice? Boy, that, that, isn't that great? To, to help you avoid pitfalls and troubles and problems that you might encounter? What, what, how valuable is that wisdom you know, to someone new, right? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. That gives you hope. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It is discouraging at times. Life. A, a job or what, you know, ministry can be discouraging. You think? Can ministry be discouraging? It can be. I've been there. I know I have, so. Yeah, it can be discouraging. So it definitely was there to encourage Titus and also to help Paul encourage him in his journey. It's kind of fun being a mentor, too. Have you ever been a mentor? That's, it's kind of fun, too. I think in my experience of limited experience of being a mentor, it, it, it really is encouraging. I think I learn as much or more than the mentee or whatever the person is that's getting mentored. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's good for Paul, too. I think he found a lot of encouragement probably from it, too. So. Good way to start us off here. Um, author and date, Paul, <laughs> he, he kind of gives it away at the beginning. <laughs> and then, you know, he ministered with Titus, and then uh, he writes it, and then he was martyred in Rome. Kind of gives you a timeline a little bit when we think that, uh, that Paul wrote this in the mid-60s. The theme, uh, the letter, letter's theme is an unbreakable link between faith and practice, belief and behavior. And this truth is the basis for his criticism of the false teaching, his instruction in Christian living and the standards set for church leaders. So kind of idea of the theme of the book as he's mentoring Titus. A little bit of the purpose. He'd recently completed a journey to Crete, which he kind of gives away in the first chapter and talks about when he was with him in Crete. He left them there to teach the new church. The false teachers were already a problem. Um, the letter focuses primarily on that issue. Description of the elders, proper Christian living, um, intention of contrast with the false teaching. And then in dealing with the false teaching, Paul also provides Titus with kind of that portrait of a healthy church. He describes proper leadership, handling of error, Christian living which is important uh, for new believers in the immoral setting. And then the gospel is the source of godliness. So kind of the theme and the purpose there a little bit. A um, little outline of Titus. It's a short book. I mean, it's only three chapters, but it kind of gives you a little bit of what's, how he's flowing through this letter to uh, Titus, kind of the opening, the occasion. The, you got to have proper leadership. Um, and the problem, false teachers, and then that Christian living in contrast to the false teaching. Um, and that problem restated the false teachers again. And then just his closing encouragement. All right. That kind of gives us a basis, a little foundation idea of what's going on here in Titus. Now let's look at some kind of key verses. Um, Titus 1.5 is anyone willing to read that for us? This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Okay. Well, my question here is, why do you think elders are important for a church? What is the importance of elders as he 
left this unfinished business to appoint elders in every town. Why is it so important to have elders? Well, they guard the integrity of the church. Okay. Okay, yeah, they're leading, yeah, the church. And just for organization and good, solid biblical leadership, mm. rather than, you know, a much younger Christian not familiar mm. with the word, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm going to jump up and take charge here, mm. but not having the, the solid foundation of, of the scripture. Mm. Um, so it just gives organization, but it gives... Right, okay. Solid leadership and staying true to yeah. God's word and his truth. Any other reasons? Paul, Paul started a church. The elders were probably preaching. Okay, yeah. So Paul started the church, but it appears that he left something unfinished Yeah. a little bit. So he was there to, he instructed him to appoint the, the elders. It's hard to tell how much was already there when he left. Obviously, there was a group, core group of some sort. We don't really find out all the details of what's going on. But he encourages them to appoint elders, for sure. And there might have been, obviously, there were some there in the core group to help initially. So, Any other reasons for uh, elders? In every town, yeah. It shows you that the Christian message was being received all over the place. Right. Every town had a church. Right. You know, even at that early age. And Crete was, wasn't was small. It was, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. it's a big yeah. island. <laughs> town had a church, yeah, yeah. So they had preached the gospel yeah. far and wide on, on that island, and every town should have some sort of leadership, elders appointed. Okay. Any other? Oh, sorry. It spreads out the workload. Oh, it spreads out the workload. Kind of like Moses with the judging, right? You know, you're taking too much on yourself. Why don't you spread, share the load, as uh, Sam Weiss. I was going to say the, uh, the plural, you know, that rather than having just kind of one elder run the whole church, um, it's just helpful because hmm. not, you, as one person, you can't know everything and you can't see everything properly and so to have other perspectives and other people who are godly men who can kind of speak into a situation they might notice things that you didn't notice or see things that you're doing wrong that you didn't see and so it's that kind of plurality group is really helpful it is it's amazing how god works through the church and through elders to share that load and it really progresses the ministry in ways that you couldn't imagine right uh, Jesus, I mean, this, this kind of deals with a little bit to some degree in my mind with, you know, the priesthood of all believers, that we are the salt and light, all of us, you know, that we're, we represent Christ wherever we go. And, uh, and, and elders are the leadership for that in the church, for sure. Well, good. Let's, let's go to our next verses. Titus 1, 6 through 9. Any, anybody willing to read that portion? If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, or an overseer, or an overseer, um, of, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, quick tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain. hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in the sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Excellent, thanks. What are your thoughts about the bar for eldership here? Is this a, is this a high bar, a low bar? What, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this bar for eldership here? <laughs> You laugh, Steve. Why, why would you laugh? Well, I'm thinking impossible. Okay. Yeah, it seems pretty high. 
It's, it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Does anyone really qualify? Almost, you, you start to wonder. It talks about above reproach. What do, you, what do you think that, what does that mean to you? Above reproach. Good character. Okay. Integrity, character, yeah. Yeah. No one can even think of it. They're just doing something wrong. I mean, if it, this is above. They wouldn't even go there. No, wouldn't go there. Interesting. That's, that's how solid their character is. You know, really is, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I can't imagine, right? It seems difficult. I look at it, and I'm. I, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm a teaching elder, obviously, you know, in the PCA. But it, I look at that and think, I don't know how. I, you know, how does anyone? It's. It feels like it's almost perfection even though we know it can't be. You know, when you look at that, it's very humble. But to know that you, that you, don't, you don't provide to that cause, it's very humble. Yeah. Hmm. So how do you find elders then? I, this seems an impossible task. Definitely be humbled to take that position. Yeah. In fact, I mean, sometimes it, it works the other way. You know, when it says that they're not to be arrogant, mm. um, sometimes it, the worst person to find to be an elder is someone who is very sure that they do meet all the, the qualifications oh. to be an elder. Right. Um, and are very confident about it because that's that kind of arrogant part in there. Yeah. Which uh, that can go. That can go south very quickly, too. <laughs> yeah. If, if someone uh, says, hey, of course, you know, what took you so long to nominate me? You know, it's, it's like, and I, if, if you ever sense any of that, that's, uh, you're like, uh-oh, that's no good. Could be a red flag. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, it's almost like the person you want to be an elder is almost a reluctant elder hmm. um, because it's someone who does recognize Boy, this is something I'm hopefully growing into, hmm. you know, little by little. But if you think you've you've arrived, that's that's usually a bad indication. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering, just thinking about it, how Titus was enjoying looking for elders on Crete. You know. <laughs> anyway, you know, for a young church, I'm sure that would be a, quite a challenge. Um, it doesn't really get into the nitty-gritty of who he chose and why he chose who he chose or any of those details, but I can imagine uh, with these being qualifications, it, it was not an easy task that he had at hand. So. But Todd, you also have to wonder, did Titus think he was qualified to hmm? pick this person? So he has to meet these also, right? Yeah. Which... It's pretty humbling, I would, I would hope, I would think. And it appears <laughs> he was, so that, that's, that's helpful. Any other thoughts about eldership? It's quite a topic, and he definitely deals with some specifics here. Well, so. and I'll just point out real quick that he, all of these early writers, probably Titus included, they didn't always pick the perfect people mm -hmm. because the false teachers had to come from somewhere. Oh, right. And my guess is that they were probably elders at some point hmm. who kind of went went off the rails. Yeah. So as human beings, we do make mistakes sometimes. Hmm. And where it says, you know, you shouldn't be quick to lay on hands. Right, right. That's why it should be kind of a long process and someone should have a pretty long track record. Mm -hmm. But even then, you know, mistakes do happen. Sure. And, uh, you know, we've got a great board of elders here. But yeah. You know, every once in a while, somebody slips through that's not, yeah. not, not great. Yeah, the process definitely isn't perfect. We're all human, whether it's elders or what, what have you, church in general. So it's, uh, but the Lord uses it nonetheless. It's, that's, that's what's pretty amazing, I think, about all of us as Christians, how the Lord can use any of us, you know. Even though there is a priesthood 
of all believers, he, he uses fallen, sinful men to uh, preach his holy word and teach his gospel. And it's a, if anything's humbling, that is, that's for sure. So well, let's move on. A few more verses, uh, Titus 1, 10 and 11. Anybody willing to read that? Okay, thank you. How, how do you silence empty talkers? Or maybe, maybe what is an empty talker to start out with, but how, how do you silence empty talkers? Well, you could kill them. That would silence them. I think there's other rules against that, but that's, I appreciate your foolproof plan. I did, and it would work. Just it would violate many other things. It might not be a good plan. It might not be a good plan. I agree. That's funny. Okay, if they were in positions of leadership, uh, to 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 take them out of those. Hmm. Okay. That's a better plan. You like that better? <laughs> Something that's truthful and not empty would fulfill the silencing of emptiness? Well, there are spots in Scripture that talk about spiritual Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, we there is discipline in the church that is is used to uh, hopefully bring people back to repentance. But nonetheless, if they're doing something deviant to the truth, empty talking uh, or something like that. And it seems that um, he mentions the circumcision party. He does. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Who those guys were? And- well, I'd like to open it up to everybody. You don't need to hear me talk about all this, but uh, any, what, what do you think the circumcision party is? So it's probably the Judaizers. The Judaizers, okay, yeah. Those who had those traditional... Once believed in tradition. Tradition, okay. the gospel. In specifically, circumcision? Yeah, Jewish laws. Jewish laws, okay. Dietary laws. So if you're not circumcised... You're not, yeah. There you go. Okay, so they they really wanted to put these laws on them, to to that was that was the only way they could be in the church or be saved, uh, if you will. Is that is that the gospel? No. What do you have to do to earn the gospel? Nothing. You got anything? What do you bring into the table for the Lord? What do you got? Come on. You got anything? Your sin, that's what you need nailed to the cross. That's all you bring. Isn't it great? That's the good news. Yeah, this is what I bring, Lord, my sin. That's all I got. Do you have thoughts? What are your thoughts? Or anybody else? Shameful gain. Right. There are some examples, I, I don't know if, if you remember, there were certain guys in Acts who wanted to buy kind of the laying on of hands and stuff like that. I mean, that could be some shameful gain that they might have thought they could buy the Holy Spirit somehow, you know, uh, kind of unusual things like that. But the, there's a variety of things. True power, yeah, prestige, yeah. celebrity. Well, I mean, it's, uh, even today, there's, um, there are whole industries of people that add all sorts of things to the gospel, and then they say, well, essentially, come follow me, and I will teach you how to do all these other things. The gospel is very simple. Yeah. You know, uh, Jesus did it all. We repent. We believe the gospel. 
but all of these systems require instruction and uh, books and leadership, and you got to come to this guy's church to learn the special, you know, additional things. And so it, I think maybe the, the shameful gain is sort of uh, establishing an alternate religion, really, um, under sort of the auspices of Christianity, mm -hmm. whether that involved direct financial support for these churches, which were not churches, or sort of a enhancing the reputation of the person who has this. Um, it's, again, it, we see this all over the, in the Christian world, mm. people who add a bunch of additional requirements yeah. and they attract disciples because people yeah. like that. Give me a five-step plan. If I check all these boxes, then I have assurance, then mm. I know, and then I've essentially obligated God to bless mm. me mm. in sort of in a employee-employer right. relationship. Yeah, you've it's earned it. simpler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do like that. That's our nature. Yeah, and some of those great uh, televangelists or whatever, you know, they need another private plane, so you got to start giving more money, right? I, that's pretty shameful mm -hmm. game, potential. Well, I saw that the thing was you mailed in your handkerchief for $5, you, your prayers would be answered. Wow, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some shameful things that have been done uh, for the gospel. Um, uh, I mean, our, our history is pretty sad, too, if you look back a ways. I think another, other examples of these, these empty talkers and deceivers have been at some churches where occasionally, like, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons would come into a congregation and start talking to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and his problem with false teaching, you can see where the, the problem is, is, is lying. I mean, they're, they're trying to infiltrate to some degree and tear apart the truth with these false teachings, which, amazingly enough, all of us are, you know, sensitive to at times. Uh, these false teachings definitely appeal to our sinful nature quite often, and it's, it's sometimes hard to discern and, and see what's going on and, and uh, stay, stay true to God's word and the truth. So silencing the empty talkers is definitely a challenge that you have to rely on scripture as well as uh, the Holy Spirit to guide you on what, what is true um, and what is false, which is what he was dealing with in Crete, uh, that he needed this. Anybody else? It's good. How about Titus 1.16? Anybody willing to read that? They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Hmm. How can our actions deny God? Make it even more personal. How can your actions deny God? Well, when we put self before God and our will mm. and what we want before what we know what God wants. Mm. Absolutely. That pride and selfishness is prevalent in all of us. And that denies who's really in charge, does it not? Any other ways? We, Good. Mm. Does that ever happen? How could that happen? Christians don't sin, do they? Really? Yeah, they do. It's a, it's a problem. We all have to deal with. That's. Uh, How hard is it to be consistent and be a Christian then? Really hard. 
again, look back to the elders' you know, qualifications, and it seems impossible, right? But it, what is impossible for man is possible with God, really. I mean, that just, again, shows me that truth again. And that's what he's, he really wants to get into this with Titus because of the consistency of the church and, and combating false teaching, right? Christians need to be consistent in their living. Otherwise, they deny, they deny their creator. They deny God. So as hard as that is, that's what we're called to do, which is why we confess our sins. Doesn't make us perfect. Makes us forgiven, you know, which is the good news <laughs> again. You know, I mean, we need that good news every day because of how much we fail. So, yeah, consistency, and, and that was kind of at the heart of what he's trying to get at here with the Christian faith and this church in particular. And, like that and I think sometimes it's the stuff we it's the stuff we add to Christianity mm. that are the works that deny Christ it's right. like well you know yes Jesus but then you also have to be like this mm. and your culture has to look like this and mm. you know the tchotchkes in your house have to look like this you know and <laughs> and God is saying you know he's saying they profess to know God but they deny him by their works yeah you know in that context is that they're devoting themselves to all these ex these other things mm -hmm. um, that are not you know they're the other commands that were not even right. biblical. So yeah. I think that that's part of it too. It's it not is. only our disobedience, which is part of it, but it's also the stuff we add to the gospel. Mm, right. Yeah. It does. It denies God, does it yes. not? Yeah. Yeah. It says Jesus isn't enough. <clears throat> it, it is weird to me how simple the gospel is. Yeah. And yet, how complex. Yeah. And we want to make it more complicated. Well, we want to make it more about us. You know, <laughs> he did it all. But can I do something? Did you have something? That's true, right? I'll live like this one place and like this another kind of dichotomy type thing. Is that what you're saying? Sort of, yeah. I just, I, it's hard to explain what I'm saying exactly. Okay. Um, like, I mean, that was what I understood. That's why I'm trying to. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, Secular and, okay, yeah. totally makes me think of a shepherd, right? Of how he keeps the sheep. You know, they get off sometimes and they need to be hooked or poked or brought together in some way, shape, or form. And that's what Christ does for us. That's what under shepherds do as elders and pastors is they shepherd us because we're kind of dumb sheep, you know, that need shepherding. And that's and, such an attitude of compassion, you know, mm. I was talking this True. week with a woman who she does not go to church, mm. 
because her dad was really involved with the Brownsville revivals and she saw a lot behind the scenes that made her very like this to the yeah. church. And you know, I think when we come with people who have so much baggage when it comes to the church and or Christian people that have been in their lives, we have to come with that compassion yeah. of a shepherd and say, tell me your story. Like, tell, you know, so what are you thinking about? And listen, you know? And I think about that with our culture that we deal with, you know? People have all kinds of things that they do, but there's often reasons, mm -hmm. you know? And so listening long enough to hear that yeah. and then get some credibility to start maybe building something, yeah. you know? Yeah, to make an influence. Just off of what Susie said, that made me think right. of that. Right, no, that's true. Trying to think of where I was even at here. <laughs> My question was about uh, denying God, right? How do our actions deny God? Okay. And uh, our consistency with our faith, which is really what, um, what he's getting at in, in parts of this uh, letter, obviously. Let's go to the next uh, verse, uh, 2.15. Anybody willing to read that? Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Okay, I really like this verse in a variety of ways. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. That really stood out to me. What holds you back from encouraging and rebuking? <coughs> what would hold you back from that? Our own sinfulness sometimes. Okay. Causes us to feel like we don't have a platform to speak from. Okay. Either way, right, either encouraging or rebuking. Do you see this a lot in the church today, encouraging or rebuking? Encouraging more. Maybe some encouragement, okay. Which is definitely more popular, right? I would say. It's definitely accepted better than rebuking, I would venture to say. Anything else hold you back from encouraging and rebuking? Fear. So many fears. I, I, it's amazing how <laughs> uh, people in the church live in fear that way, I think. Because don't we all need a rebuke or encouragement at times? All, all of us do. I do. Did you have something, Scott? Open up that Pandora's whatever, yeah. It can be scary. Because a lot might be asked of you, as well as of others. Right. Encouraging and rebuking. Right, that really stood out to me. Any other things that might keep you from doing that? Encouraging and rebuking. Do you think this is a, I was going to say problem with the church. Do you think this is something the church is good at or not good at? Not good? Any reason? As a whole. As a whole, right, right, in general. Well, the spirit of our age is, you know, judge not. Ah. What gives you the authority to? What gives you the authority to? God does. All authority. Do you see that? All authority? Yeah, we forget about that. All authority? That's pretty authoritative. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. But it also puts a big responsibility on you to make sure you're speaking in accordance with God's word. Well, that's true. If you're not. It's also something to be afraid of. That's, that, 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 there's sin that we all have to look at, too. But to live in so much fear and not have the authority in the church to stand up and encourage and rebuke when needed. Did you have something? Yeah, I was going to say the Amplified version of verse 15 says, tell them these things and then encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard or despise you. Conduct yourself and your teaching so as to command respect. 
Right. Well, and it, I, I think the struggles in the Christian life are so vast. We need, we, when we waver off of the path as sheep do, we need to be rebuked. We need to be poked. We need to be grabbed and brought back. But we also need to be encouraged because <laughs> the, the journey is, is so hard at times. It's so exhausting. You know, you think you're in it by yourself. Satan loves to isolate us, you know. But this, this just shows me how the church just wraps its arms around you. Both in, in rebuking and poking and, and encouraging with just love. It's, it's just a beautiful picture of the gospel because uh, that's what it, the gospel does. It, it pokes us when we need to be poked, and, and it, it encourages us when we do something right, or, or, you know, when we have faith and trust in him, and I don't know. It's, I love that. Mm-hmm. It, it really got me. I was like, boy, I bet Titus appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And especially, I think, even in the church, that we are getting more and more isolated from each other. Right. And uh, they said that regulation without relationship breeds mm-hmm. rebellion. Right. And so if you have that relationship and that mutual respect, it's easier to accept and give yeah. Yeah. that feedback. And in that context, it's authenticity. And I'm doing this out of love and for your best interest. It's a lot easier to take that hmm. You know, I, for some reason, relate that, and maybe it's because you're my brother-in-law, but I relate it to marriage for some reason, you know, that it, it, marriage is a funny thing to encourage and rebuke, even in that relationship, Um, but it's easy to have fears of, well, you don't want to say that because they're sensitive, or you don't want to go wherever because, you you know, it's it's hard. You kind of want to play it safe, and and keep things even keel. You don't want to stir up the pot and make things uncomfortable or whatever. So, uh, does the stress make me look bad? Does the stress make me look bad? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's uh, somehow you hit it right on the head there. Yeah, that's uh, rebuke and encourage, baby. Mm, right. When he's preaching the truth, you're a Christian. A lot of times it hits you right between the eyes. It does. Well, and I, I mean, I attribute that to the Holy Spirit, right? If you're sensitive, if your heart is sensitive to Scripture, the Spirit will, man, it will prick you and mold you and, and push you and, and encourage you maybe at times, but it, it, it is. When you really hear the truth, it, it, it cuts to the quick. And, and that's what scripture does, you know. Cuts like a double-edged sword right in the where you need to be cut. Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts as I mumble? What do you think of that? Interesting. Okay. That gives you a little more freedom? Yeah. If you, if you know you're right, somebody despises you, it does not hurt you. Right. It doesn't. You know that with you and God, you're right. Hmm. The pain comes when you realize that they're right and you messed up. Right. Yeah. Well, then maybe just. Disp- so if you don't, if you don't mess up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I could just do that every time, I'd be set. Yeah. That is hard. It's, it's hard to have all authority when we're all sinners. And yet he calls us to encourage and rebuke with all authority, even though we're, most of us, pretty messed up. So it's, it's, a, it's a tight line to walk 
and yet this is how God chooses to make the church run and keep us honest in his word and truth. Any other thoughts? The other thing is, if you're always right, if you're doing the right thing, mm -hmm. why would someone be right? Hmm. It's true. Well, if they hate the truth, maybe. But other than that, yeah, you should, you should be safe. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're speaking the truth in love, hopefully. Yeah. Well, let's move on. I got a little bit bigger section here, but uh, yeah, some good stuff. Anybody willing to read this portion? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'd, I'd like to encourage you and rebuke you at the same time to read this, but. Uh, <laughs> Older men to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Mm. Okay, good. Why do you think it instructs older men, older women, younger men, younger women? Why, why do you think he gives these instructions here? It could be dealing with particular people in this church. Maybe. I mean, possibly. It's possible. But it could also be that these are just things that characteristically it's easy to fall into at these different stages in your life. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, a lot of truth there. Any other reasons why you think he's <clears throat> instructing these groups of older men and women and younger? Well, one reason mm -hmm. could be that the older should be setting an example for the young. Okay, the good. Because the, old, the younger haven't had experience with the older men. Well, who's, write, who's writing this? Paul, to, to Titus, he's younger, he's older. So the, right, exactly, you're right. Yeah? There's, there's the, the notion of being respectful. Mm. And, yeah. And that the Christian faith, to live it out, we need each other. Mm. The, when you look at the gifts of the Spirit and, and the different gifts that God gives us, It is, yeah. Family. It's family. That's good. Well, and family, even more than today, was so important to mm, this back audience. Then. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it, the end sentence there, you know, that the word of God may not be reviled. Mm. And I think partly it could be pointing to the new freedoms that mm. women, you know, particularly had in Christ. Okay. It's like, you know, but don't let that cause other people to revile the word of God. Oh. It's, you know, you need to be doing the training in the home like yes. your neighbors, you know, right, and right. it's like set an example mm -hmm. of what you're doing and then the word of God won't be reviled among the That's neighbors. right. Yeah, or everyone will see it. Yeah. Everyone will see it. Yeah. It is still important, isn't sure. it? Yeah. It was what? Team sport, okay, yeah, that's good. I like that. Everybody has a role. Yeah. And maybe I'll hold. And they have gifts. Gifts and advancing, and what, what's the goal of the church? There is an outcome you're trying to achieve in life. Yeah. So that everyone has a role, but also when I think that there are different stages in our life, and maybe there are obstacles mm. to the fulfillment of that, uh, that role. Right. Yeah, he's encouraging these groups here. Do we need this encouragement, you think, today? Yeah. A couple thousand years later, yeah, we, we need it too, don't we? It's not much has changed. I mean, it's essentially discipleship. 
It, it is. It's the older, older men and women basically discipling the younger men and women. And we see that it's not only a Bible study. It's mm -hmm. life on life. It is. Living together, saying, how, how do you apply Christ and the gospel to this situation? Right. Life? And, and being consistent with that faith, exactly. right? Being consistent with what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is the challenge. Any, anything stick out in those verses to you? Self-controlled is there three times. Right. You think that might be uh, that might be a problem? <laughs> well, what made me think of what we talked about previously about something I have to do. Hmm. Yeah. The elders, the women, and the younger to be sober mind. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So to, to do that, it's like you have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your mind isn't fucked up that you're not fucked up. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. It's a challenge for all of us yeah. to be sober-minded and self-controlled that way. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I think we all need that, don't we? Do we not? Yeah. Okay, well, we got one, I think, more set of verses. Our time is almost up anyway, so anybody willing to read this last <coughs> three through six? It is good. Well, and I mean, you could keep going. I mean, it, it stops in the middle. I could just put it all out there, I guess. Anyway, anyway. This question was hard for me. I love this question, but I, I didn't know how exactly, for some reason, to state this one. Initially, I said, how are you saved? That was my initial question. How are you saved? And then I changed it to, why are you saved? Why did God save you? And then I changed it to, when did God save you? <laughs> but really, I, I, I want to try to understand this salvation that he speaks of. He saved us. And I, what is the process involved in God saving you? I guess is ultimately the question that I wanted to ask. Because there's so many things going on here in these verses. I don't know if you can see them all. But verse 4 really speaks of it to me. on how God saved you? Or what was the process? What does verse 4 say? Do you see that? Anybody? <laughs> well, I could read it, I guess. But when, the, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. just 
Savior appeared. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, when Jesus appeared. He is the yeah. personification of the loving kindness of, of God. And then it goes on to say, it was his mercy. Right. So that's really how we're saved. Right. Yeah. Not the righteous things we do, mm-hmm. which is combating the false teaching again that he was talking about earlier. Yeah. Washing of regeneration, kind of new birth. We're going to talk about that today yeah. in John 3. Yeah. <coughs> born again. again. He causes yeah. us to be born again. Yeah. And then he doesn't just leave us there. Mm-mm. He renews us by the Holy Spirit. He does. So that we can become more and more like these type of people that he's been talking about throughout yeah. the whole I, I just, I think I am just in awe of the kindness, mm-hmm. the love, and the gener- generosity of God to save a sinner like me. Mm-hmm. How, how could he do that? How would he save me? It is only because of his kindness and his love. There's nothing me, I didn't, I, all I got is that sin that you talked about, right? That's all I bring to the table. But Christ appeared, who it really is the kindness, love, and generosity of God incarnate to save me. So, anyway, stunning. All right, I guess, I don't, do we have application? I guess we can talk a little <laughs> bit about application. Uh, it talks about uh, all of us in regard to instruction, how to live, pleasing to the Lord. Uh, we can learn... Uh, what we should avoid as well as what we should strive to imitate. And Paul suggests that we seek to be pure and avoid these things which defile our minds and consciences. And Paul makes a statement, they claim to know God, but by their actions deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for anything good. As Christians, we must examine ourselves to be sure our lives line up with our profession of faith in Christ. So, all right. That's, that's our, our ending. Steve, would you close us in prayer? Maybe? Thanks. Father, we thank you for your word that we've had the opportunity to delve into today. And we thank you that you've preserved it for us. Lord, it just tells us so much about who you are and what your plans are for the church and how you use common, everyday people to accomplish those plans. Father, uh, we just thank you for that. Lord, as uh, we go into the service, we lift up Pastor Joel to you and pray that uh, you would be with him prepare our hearts to uh, commune with you today. And we just, uh, Lord, thank you again for being our God and our Savior. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 And uh, Pastor Dave preached today. Oh, Pastor Dave. There we go. See, y'all can start praying for him, too. Yeah, pray for him, too. <laughs> we got him. We got him covered. Thank you, brother. Hey, how are you, buddy? How are you? Yes, good to see you again.